to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Today on Maritime AgCast, we're going to talk about provincial meat inspection and how we use it uh, to access markets and what we can do to potentially improve the the system or uh, enhance the system here in Nova Scotia. I've got two great guests with me. Uh, The first is Shelley McDonald. So Shelley assists and coaches clients with the development and implementation of HACCP-based food safety systems, regulatory frameworks, and global food safety initiatives. At Perennia, she is the lead trainer and delivers in-house custom food safety programs with over 14 years experience in the food industry. We're also joined by Wayne Olton from Olton's Meats and Martok Glen Farm, uh, along with his family operate uh, the provincially inspected red meat abattoir, as well as a poultry facility in Martok, Nova Scotia. Uh, They also have a very diversified livestock operation. uh, And as a fellow Aggie, uh, Wayne graduated from the NSAC and he's a very active member in both the agricultural community and the community as a whole. Uh, so, Wayne, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your farm, your slaughterhouse, and and why you folks do what you do? Yeah, sure. So, uh, we're a family-run business. Um, it started with my parents raising uh, some pigs and cattle and sheep and trying to self-market them. Uh, so, that started back in the 70s. From there, it was basically just our own farm's production that they were marketing. But over time, the business has grown, and now we market our own production, but we market uh, livestock from approximately about 100 other farms in the province. So now we we process uh, in the range of about 6,000 head of year of uh, red meat animals, which consists of uh, cattle, uh, hogs, uh, sheep, goat, and uh, venison and rabbits. So yeah, so it's grown significantly over the years from a few hundred head to to where we are today. We raise all the mentions as well as do a lot of poultry, chickens and turkeys and ducks and geese and pheasants and quail and partridge as well. Yeah, so for anybody that hasn't had the opportunity to visit the the Olton farm there in Martok, it is quite an experience. Uh, there's lots of critters roaming around, and it's always an interesting place to visit, uh, to see the animals and have some good conversation about agriculture in general. Uh, so again, thanks, Swain, for being with us. We're also joined by Shelly McDonald again. Um, Shelly is another great team member with Perennia. Uh, we've had several other Perennia uh, staff members, guests on the podcast before. Um, so Shelly, maybe can you just discuss a little bit about your role with Perennia and, and how it fits into the food safety system here in Nova Scotia? Sure. So as a quality and food safety specialist um, with Perennia, my role is to educate the industry on best practices, regulations, and quality standards. So basically, sometimes folks come to us because regulations aren't the easiest to interpret. 
And that's what we do. We help industry um, determine what is being asked and required of them. And then of course, um, we have tools that assist industry. We do up fact sheets, we have training seminars, guides are on our website and available for folks to you know, help them with developing any food safety management system that they might want to, uh, to develop and implement at their facilities. And then of course, we also coach and assist folks with developing and implementing many food safety management systems. So Wayne, you folks are a provincially inspected abattoir, both on the red meat and poultry side. What does that look like for you uh, and your team on a daily basis as far as uh, making sure that you are meeting some of those provincial regulations? We've been at it for a long time, so it's just kind of a daily routine, um, you know, to make sure everything is operating efficiently and and cleanly, I guess. Um, uh, we, we're not into the, the HACCP stuff, but we are provincially inspected, like you said. So for our plant, we, we process five days a week uh, animals. So we have an inspector here from the province five days a week just to keep, keep tabs on what we're doing. So HACCP isn't a requirement for provincial inspected abattoirs. Shelly, can you discuss maybe a little bit of what the benefits or, or drawbacks for a processor like Wayne and being involved in a HACCP program? Sure. So HACCP is voluntary at the provincial level. If you are selling provincially, you are not required to have HACCP-based systems. They are customer requirements. So it all depends on the customer requirement. If Wayne's company was trying to get into, let's say, Pete's Routique, sometimes Pete's wants to have HACCP plans in place. Sobeys requires uh, businesses to have HACCP plans in place, and Loblaws requires abattoirs to have HACCP plans in place. So basically, these folks are provincially inspected, meaning the inspectors are coming in just to ensure that they're following the regulations and doing everything they possibly can uh, to ensure that they're producing safe meat products each and every day. So are they producing a safe product for human consumption each and every time? Yeah, so that, that leads me into a really good question is, is obviously there are various provincial inspection programs across the country. Why is it important for the general public, the consuming public, and the processors to have uh, a food inspection program for them? Sure. So... Um, the consumers are more educated today than they ever have been when it comes to food safety. And they want to ensure that their products they are picking up and purchasing and taking home and cooking and putting on the table for their family is safe each time they cook that product as its intended use. And the reason, you know, like we talked about, HACCP is not mandatory for the provincial abattoirs, but some customers want HACCP is because meat is considered a high risk product due to its nature. So it's protein rich, it has high water activity, it has a pH of more than 4.5. And these are ideal conditions for bacterial growth. So that's why it's important for inspections and consumers to realize these places are inspected so that they are confident that these companies are producing safe product. 
Yeah, and from our standpoint, we've always been uh, inspected since the 80s, sometime in the 80s when the inspection program started. We were one of the first plants to be on board, um, but we've always agreed with the inspection system where it kind of gives us, at the time, I guess, a little bit more of a advantage, I guess, or, or credibility in the marketplace. Yeah, so it opened a lot of doors for us having the provincial meat inspection system, and I think it's very important for the the government to uh, keep supporting this system. It's in a, a little bit of a change right now, which is arguably good or bad. I don't know yet. Hopefully it will keep on improving, I guess, because it's important for local producers to have that system. Improvements. That's exactly it, Wayne. Inspections are an opportunity for improvement, and it should never be considered a negative thing because it helps the, the regulators educate why these things are needed and of course it gives the processors an opportunity to improve and make the changes and meet those requirements. Yeah and the problem we're having right now under meat inspection in the province is it's being it was taken from the Department of Agriculture um, and now it's being run by the Department of Environment. When it was under agriculture, agriculture looked at it as a, a way to grow agriculture in the province and to bring on as many plants as they could and because that would get access for more local product in the local market. Problem we have right now is with environment is they are strictly under regulatory um, a regime and they don't want to educate or they don't want to promote or grow the industry. I could almost see the system shrinking back some because there's some plants that are thinking about dropping their inspection because of this. Yeah, Wayne, that, that's that's a really important point, and it's a discussion that we've had uh, with several of our red meat organizations that we work with, as well as the Provincial Federation of Agriculture, is, you know, really that inspection program, like you say, and, and like Shelley has mentioned, is really about enhancing agriculture and improving access to local market for both farmers and processors, but as well as consumers. And I, I think that's been a concern of ours for probably three years uh, or so uh, since they oh, made yeah. some of those changes. You know, how, how are you folks navigating those? And in an ideal world, what would you see that regulatory framework look like in changing to help work as much on the development side of the industry as, as the regulatory side? Yeah, so the way it's working right now is there's this very poor communication between the processors and the environment, there's actually no communication at all unless it's uh, uh, an enforcement issue. What we're dealing with, instead of promoting plants and trying to help plants uh, improve, uh, we're just looking at, you know, basically fines or, or slaps on the wrists uh, because we're not following certain aspects of the regulations, I guess, that the inspector sees that we're lacking maybe here or there. So... In the past system, there was way more uh, support from agriculture. And what we're seeing right now is there is zero support in environment. They're just looking, you know, basically as a, a police officer role where they're just, they need to show that their bosses that they're enforcing something, right? In upcoming events, Farm Safety Nova Scotia is offering a June 9th mental health literacy training session. Please contact Lori for more information or to register. She can be reached at info at farmsafetyns.ca 
or 902-957-2785. At Atlantic Stockyards, they'll be hosting feeder sales on May 25th and June 17th as part of their regular sale days. Please check AtlanticStockyards.com for a full schedule and booking information. The agri-stability enrollment deadline of April 30th has been extended to June 30th, 2021. Additional information can be found at www.agr.gc.ca. There are now many Nova Scotia programs open for the 21-22 year. A full list as well as applications and guidelines can be found at novascotia.ca forward slash programs. When the inspectors are in your facility on a daily basis monitoring what you're doing, would you say that a lot of the things that they're checking on are more process-based? Are they equipment-based? Um, are they carcass-based? You know, what are they looking for and and what are maybe some of your challenges in meeting those requirements? Uh, so, yeah, so it's all of the above, I guess, what you mentioned. Um, so their initial thing is they're looking at, you know, the condition of the building, you know, your maintenance regime, um, making sure your cleaning regimes are in the right order. I believe an important part is they're looking at the health of the animals coming in, how they're handled, and then analyzing the animal as it's being processed. Uh, the different glands and stuff. I do see a difference already in the system here where all of the older inspectors, and I say older, that were used to work under the agriculture scheme or who, who were trained under the agricultural scheme are more thorough at that side of it or more educated with the, what animals and carcasses and things are supposed to look like. The new regime of inspectors from the environment side that have been trained are more trained on just what the rule book says and are not quite uh, up to speed on conditions of animals and, and things like that. So we see quite a difference there just in the last two to three years of how inspections are being done. So it, it's a concern of where the program is going. So now I guess I have a question for you, Shelley. Obviously, Perennia does a really good job working with uh, the processors and folks like Wayne. Has there been any engagement with the regulatory body uh, with Perennia on how to maybe enhance the training of some of their inspectors? Um, no, the inspectors do not come to Perennia for training. And in the past, uh, as Wayne had mentioned, you know, inspectors were commodity specific. So you would have meat inspectors, you would have fish inspectors, you would have vegetable inspectors and things like that. And now you're seeing they're more multi-commodity specific. So inspectors who would have been, you know, familiar with one commodity is now moving over to another commodity. It does make it difficult for industry because they're used to having certain inspectors and the ones that were familiar with their facility, with their processes, with their product, and now it's, they're all new. And as he mentioned, it's a new way of doing things. Although inspections have always been the same way. The inspectors, their job was to come in and to, you know, assess what's going on. Is the facility meeting the regulations? What complies and what does not comply? So when those inspectors come in, like Wayne had said, they're looking at your employee practices. They're looking at the flow in the fabric of the facility. Is the facility in good condition? 
Um, how's the traffic flowing? Is there good manufacturing practices being followed? Um, the health and the handling of the animal itself. But we all know inspectors, they do differ. Another interesting question, and probably more so for Wayne, is, you know, if, if you don't necessarily agree with the regulatory interpretation of inspector, what ability do you have to challenge that interpretation or work with that inspector on, you know, what the regulation says versus how you do things and, and how do you reconcile those, those two differing opinions? Right now, there's no way to reconcile it. Um, it's basically the inspector or the environment is, is correct and we're wrong. But there is supposed to be, uh, it's in our regulation that there's supposed to be a meat inspection advisory board, which has not been set up, which is, is supposed to be in the process of being set up, but it's been in the process for about two years now. Uh, I understand that I think I'm been asked to sit on the board, uh, but I've never been asked to attend any meetings, and I don't know if anybody else is uh, supposed to be on the board. So I don't know where the state of that board is, but it, I, I understand that's what the board's intentions are for. So Shelly, with your role, you know, if a facility like Wayne's or, or another one has some corrective actions, is that where you do your primary work in getting folks up to date? What type of balance of work do you do with new um, or proposed facilities and dealing with their either plans as far as physical plant plans or uh, their processes plans, you know, where can you guys come in and help specifically with those interpretations? So for companies that are already well-established and, you know, they're just facing some non-conformances every now and then and they need help with, um, yes, Perennia can help them close those non-conformances. So do up corrective action plans with them and um, help them make any changes that they need to to their current process so that they are in compliance. And as far as new facilities, uh, we help with looking at plant layouts before the inspectors come in. So they have an idea, they have a plant layout, the blueprints, we can look those over for folks to give them some input as to whether or not they would need more drains, their hand washing stations are in the correct spot, that the flow is going to, to be accurate. And then of course, um, with the best manufacturing practices. So those good manufacturing practices, what they have to put in place. So hygiene and training of their employees, things like that. Wayne, from your perspective or your experience, I guess, more so than anything, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, that you folks have had over the past few years in meeting those regulatory requirements? Is there any area specifically or is it just kind of things here and there? Yeah, well, for us, I guess, our red meat plant is, was built in the 70s, so it's, I guess, late 70s, so it's like 40 years old, I guess. The challenges we've been having is just keeping kind of a steady plan of upgrading. Um, so we've been upgrading our coolers, uh, doing new ceilings and new reefers and, and cooling units, uh, re-insulating, just to try to keep up with, you know, the maintenance of an old plant. So we're steadily trying to improve it, you know, replacing doors, big cooler doors that were getting old and, and just things like that. So it's it's not that it's a problem 
for us. Like it's, we see it as an advantage too, because it's making our plant look better and work better. But for us, that's our biggest problem is just keeping up with the maintenance of an old plant. Yeah. So you bring up cooling capacity there, which is obviously, I think, a very important process of uh, processing, especially red meat. Uh, Shelly, can you talk a little bit about the equipment and process of getting those carcasses down to temperature in the, the right amount of time? Sure. So the chilling of the carcass is the most important step for preserving the meat um, because the temperature of the carcass after slaughter is a favorable environment for the pathogenic bacteria. So, you know, getting that carcass chilled as quickly as possible to inhibit bacterial growth is important. But as Wayne mentioned, some things that you have to consider is they have older facilities. So not all companies have the ability to expand or renovate or what have you, but they have to go with what they have, work with what they have, and make changes, add on when they can, and um, think about, okay, space, the current space that I have, is it enough space in the cooler right now for the amount of carcasses I'm producing? Is there enough space for sufficient airflow to bring that temperature down in a timely manner? And if not, then you would have to increase the size of your cooler, as Wayne had mentioned, and then the capacity of the equipment. So is the equipment, capable of bringing the carcass down to the proper temperature in a timely manner. The, the current equipment that they have at this given time, and if, if it's not, then you know the company shouldn't be producing so many carcasses if they know that the size of the cooler they have can't allow for the cooling of the, the amount of carcasses they plan on putting in there. And then the sustainable infrastructure itself. So can the current system maintain adequate temperatures or does the size of the building allow for the addition? Have they outgrown their space? Do they need to add on? And most times we see that businesses, you know, they outgrow. They don't see five and 10 years down the road. They have a business plan and they go with that. And then all of a sudden they start bringing on other farmers animals and start processing and what they started with was just a family business just expands and expands and expands so they outgrow their, their current facility. Here's the market report for the weekend at May 21st, 2021 brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market base price in Nova Scotia was $2.52 per kilogram up three cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was up three cents from last week to $2.43 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $2.46 per kilogram, up 3.1 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price at Atlantic Beef Products was $2.45 on the rail, no change from the prior week. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.44, moving up one cent from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.56, up two cents from last week. Call cattle at Atlantic Stockyard sold for 86 cents, a downward change of two cents from last week, while rail price at Atlantic Beef Products was $1.52, down two cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged 78 cents, up one cent from the prior week, and were flat in Quebec at 76 cents. Good Bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyard sold for $173, 
down $77, while calves in Ontario were up two cents to a base price of $1.97 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.71, a drop of one cent per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumber lamb is $15.40 per kilogram, and mutton sits at $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stock Airs average $3.55 per pound at 61 pounds. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs average $4.29 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from $3.25 to $4.52 and a half. And in Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs average $4.19 per pound at 73 pounds, ranging from $1.75 to $4.42 and a half. Use at Atlantic stockyards range from $70 to $180, averaging $151. And in Ontario, use averaged $1.95 at 147 pounds and range from $0.60 cents to $3. Make sure you check the association websites for additional pricing information. Yeah, Wayne, I definitely think that, you know, that's probably the exact case that you guys have experienced from your previous description of you, you started off in the, the late 70s, early 80s as a family operation. And now you're processing animals from more than 100 farms across the province. Um, it's actually something we hear quite a bit through, again, the work with our red meat groups is, you know, what the overall processing capacity looks like in the province and and whether or not it's adequate to meet the needs of folks that are trying to market in the Nova Scotia wholesale, retail or restaurant market. Do you have any thoughts on that and and maybe what we can do to improve some of that capacity? Yeah, like for us, uh, we hit our ceiling probably 10 years ago. So our, our kills have been pretty consistent the last 10 years. We haven't grown because we are unable to grow. Like we're already processing five days a week and it's, we only do one ship, of course. The only way to change more is to increase production with add other ships or whatever. But being a family business, we're not interested, I don't think, in, in taking on more of that. So we're we're kind of hit our ceiling. Um, we have expanded our, our poultry side uh, a little bit over the last few years, but we've now hit our ceiling on that as well. But for agriculture in general in the province and processing capabilities in the province, I see that agriculture is really being held back, or I think it is in the province, uh, because we have a, a lack of processing capabilities. But that being said, like all the processing plants that I know are family-run businesses uh, that are, you know, provincially owned. So they started off, you know, doing their own production or whatever, and then added some more in. I think a lot of them are limited on how much more they can take on or will take on. And there are some bigger, bigger farms or bigger companies in the province. Eventually, we're soon going to have to develop some type of system where we have more processing capabilities, I guess. I see it as it's our biggest challenge to keep growing the livestock sector for, you know, that that mid-range or smaller range farms. Yeah, it's a big problem right now, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's one of the things that we hear, uh, especially coming into the fall of the year uh, with folks looking to do freezer orders and and process some of those animals that they grew over the summer. Obviously, I, I think from some of the folks that I've talked to uh, that have thought about establishing some processing capacity here in the province is the cost of establishment. Not sure if either one of you want to comment to, you know, what it costs to, you know, get a facility up and running from initial thought to to the day the door opens and maybe 
some of the regulatory things that hold people back from going through that process and completion? I could just make a quick comment on that. Like, I can I can compare my poultry plant. I built a poultry plant back in 1999, and it cost approximately $80,000 for the building and the equipment. And I put one freezer in a couple, like two years ago, and just the freezer in the building alone was over $100,000. So I suspect an estimated cost, like to put a poultry plant in now with, you know, fairly small stills, would still probably be like four or $500,000 now, I'm guessing. I'd be surprised if you could get away with it being much cheaper than that. So, you know, over the course of 20 years, inflation has really changed, right? Everything costs more. For sure. And Shelly, I'm not sure if Perenia has done any work on new establishments specifically, but if you have some comments on that as well. No, I can't comment on the cost of, of what it would cost to, you know, develop and build a new plant. But I can tell you that, of course, you know, those plants, it's not as simple as putting up four walls. They need to meet the certain you know, requirements that the meat inspection regs have in place for the provincial uh, plants. So they need drains and hand wash sinks and certain cooling systems and freezers and, and you know, rails to, to hang the carcasses and things like that. So it's definitely not cheap and it's not as simple as just putting up wood on walls like you need to have the walls covered with certain approved materials and things like that and and those materials are not cheap yeah a farm starts marketing their own product they're getting the animals killed at a secondary place or secondary plant they kind of have to have a certain amount of business before it would sustain to have a processed plant of their own or or whatever right and with us, it's kind of been the same with the HACCP thing. Like it takes a certain size plant to sustain a HACCP program as well, right? It kind of allows for the larger plants. It's it's a little more suited, but the, the in-between plants, like you have to have that certain scale before you can either afford to build an uh, inspected plant or, or to even take on the HACCP program. Wouldn't you say, Shelley? Uh, well... You know, the HACCP plans are uh, product and process specific. So HACCP is basically a systematic approach to identifying and assessing hazards that are associated with all your processing steps, whether you're at a federal plant or a provincial plant or what have you. But it's important for folks, like a lot of folks just hear HACCP and right away they get overwhelmed or they think there's a lot to it. And don't get me wrong, there is a lot. But I am sure, and your meat inspection regs are already based on good manufacturing practices. So there are tons of things that you folks are already doing that those good manufacturing practices, same with the chilling of your carcass, you know, I'm sure you're moving your carcass to the cooler as soon as you can and bringing it down to a temperature within a timely manner. And that's just written out now. So you're probably doing a lot of this stuff but it's probably just not put on paper. So yes, HACCP is a big undertaking, but a lot of folks are doing things already that's HACCP based that they don't even realize they're doing. And 
large companies, small companies, and medium companies can put these, these programs in place as long as they are streamlined and they make sense for the company. Because we work with some facilities and it's just a mom and pa. So it could be three people and you've got to go with what you have. And then, of course, there are your larger companies that have hundreds of employees and they have different departments. So we're talking like research and product development and quality assurance and things like that. And, and that's not what's going to be put in place at Wayne's. They're not going to have all these different departments. Wayne himself is probably the maintenance guy and the sanitation guy and the production guy. Am I right, Wayne? Most days, yeah. Yeah. So you have to go with what you got and you have to make sure the HACCP plan works for that company. So I just want to throw this out there because we see this happen a lot. There are generic HACCP plans that you can find online. And all of a sudden, you know, a customer will say, okay, we now require you to have HACCP when you didn't have to have it. Uh, previously, and these folks will go out and they'll find generic HACCP plan. So, okay, let's let's download a meat HACCP plan. And they just think they're all the same when that's not the case at all because they are product and process specific and all facilities are different. Some facilities are large, some are small. Um, their cleaning regimes are going to be different. So it's important for folks to understand that you cannot go and take a generic HACCP plan and make it yours. It has to be tailored to your plant. Just like, let's say Wayne did have a HACCP plan, his neighbor, let's say they're called ABC Meat Plant, couldn't take Wayne's HACCP plan because it's a completely different facility. They may be producing different products and things like that. So that is really important for folks to understand. Is there anything else you folks want to add before we, we close up here around the provincial system itself, um, what can be changed, what can be modified, how we, you know, we can support new facilities or the uh, improvement and expansion of existing facilities? I think most businesses are in the same boat and have similar pain points. Um, as Wayne had mentioned, you know, they, there's a certain size, uh, they were family businesses before. So basically, as far as inspections go, education is the key when it comes to quality and food safety. And just for folks to be able to meet regulations is truly understanding the hazards that are associated with food and understanding the regs and knowing what your customer requirements are or what's being asked of you. So if you can't interpret regulations or you're not sure if you are meeting them, you know, there are companies like like Perennia that folks can reach out to and say, hmm, I'm not sure if I am meeting this regulation or I'm, I'm not sure what this means. Can you help me out here? Like we're there, we're there to educate, train, coach folks and help with continuous improvement so that they are able to comply with regulations. Because as Wayne had mentioned, you know, the inspectors are just that. They come in and they're inspecting the facility. They're not there to educate or give guidance. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge we see today is with the inspectors is we lost, you know, that backup role of education. And it would be nice somehow to gain some of that back to have somebody in the system, I guess, that could help with that instead of just being an enforcement role. I know talking to all the inspectors, the inspectors that were here pre-2020 uh, 
environment that they're kind of feel like they're lacking a role and they're parting their, their role in of being an inspector by not being able to uh, help the plants along and to improve the plants instead of, you know, just being an enforcer. So there is a little bit of, I guess, loss of improving the system instead of, you know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not improving the system anymore. We're just uh, managing it the way it is. And if it ain't good enough, well, we'll deal with it, right? But we're not improving our system at all. I, I haven't seen the Nova Scotia meat inspection system improve in the last four or five years. We're kind of at a standstill. And we got to turn it around and, and get back to improving our system again. Well, with that, um, I think that's a great closing comment, Wayne. And, you know, as far as some of the red meat groups that we work with, you know, we're always interested in in how we do get more local product to more local people and and working with facilities like yours and others across the province to, to help ensure that it gets there in a safe manner. Uh, I want to thank both of you, Shelly and, and Wayne, for joining me here uh, this morning and looking forward to talking to you again in the future if we can. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime AgCast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes. <laughs>